Before Evan tells you guys how to become legends, where you have trophies in your house, in your man cave, make sure you get other awesome stuff for your man cave now that football season's here. From my buddy Alex over at auctionofchampions.com. He's a listener. He's one of you, and he's got a kick-ass company called auctionofchampions.com. You should see the stuff. The signed Gronk jerseys, awesome. The signed Baker Mayfield jerseys, awesome. He's got this awesome picture of the catch signed by both Dwight Clark and Everson Walls. But all of those are gone as of tonight because they do auctions every two weeks, and there's no reserve. So, like, it's it's going. The highest bid gets it, period. And even if you have stuff to sell, they'll take stuff too and, and sell it for you on consignment. It's auctionofchampions.com, and it's awesome. And I already got three of my buddies on there bidding on stuff because they love it. And they say it's the best auction site they've found for memorabilia stuff. Auctionofchampions.com. It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. And we have finally made it, Evan. It's week one of the NFL season. We are presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. If you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head to betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. This is the place to come. We know that you guys can get rankings a lot of different places, right? And rankings are good. Evan's tiers were amazing, but rankings are good. But you need to hear the context. You need to hear how we think the games are going to go. You need to hear Evan's breakdown so that you can ultimately make the decision for yourselves in terms of your different lineup decisions. Evan, of course, is the rock star superstar over at rotoworld.com that you can check out on Twitter at Evan Silva. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram. I love the fantasy game. Sunday night, Evan and I were on speakerphone doing our draft with our feast listeners that won this year. Evan, you had a few daddy sodas. I was wishing I did at that point. Um, it was fun. I We had a great draft Evan wouldn't give me any help when I'd be like, who do you think I should take? No, no, I'm competing against you, dude. I'm not giving you a hint. So I had to figure it out for myself. You guys have to figure stuff out for yourself, including who to keep in your lineup this week. And speaking of keeping things in your lineup, keep your hair. All right, so I've been taking a couple different medicines for a long time. One is a topical that you rub on the bald spot, my bald spot, top of my head. The other one is a pill. You know why? Like, I don't want to lose my hair, especially because I'm on TV, do stuff like that. I'm trying to keep what I have left. And the best place by far to do that now is keeps.com. By far. 
You don't have to go to the doctor. You just fill it out online. They have doctors online that go ahead and they'll prescribe the medications for you that you otherwise, I used to have to go to the pharmacist and pick it up. I used to go to the doctor to get the prescription. Pain in the you-know-what. Now they just send it to me, which is awesome. I take my pill in the morning. I do the topical solution at night, right before I go to bed, and I'm keeping what I got with Keeps.com. You guys can as well. It's Keeps.com slash feast. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash free. So that's a free month of treatment you'll get at keeps.com slash feast. So you get your first month of treatment for free. You get to try it out for free. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Okay, so Evan, for the people that are new this year, number one, welcome aboard. We are very glad to have you. We do two episodes each week. They're both pretty beastly. They both probably end up being about 45 minutes or more. So we want to break them up and we could release them. We usually record them both on Wednesday. We could release one on Wednesday or we could release them both on Wednesday, but that like makes your, your podcast apps go crazy. So what we do is we release one on Wednesday as soon as we're done recording it, you know, before 11 a.m. Eastern time. And then the second one we record at uh, we record at the same time, but then we post it right after midnight for you guys. So right after midnight, we will uh, post that for you guys. You can have it either late tonight or for your commute or whatever tomorrow. A lot of different options, and then you're good to go. So the first episode today will be the Thursday night football Falcons Eagles, as well as. All of the 1 p.m. games on Sunday. Then the second episode is the Sunday 4 p.m. games and Sunday night football and Monday night football. And you'll have all of those. Like you'll, you'll have them all by midnight tonight. So plenty of time to be able to set your lineups. Plenty of time, by the way, too, before we dive into the Thursday night football, Evan, plenty of time, too to get all the awesome stuff they have at Dollar Shave Club. If you guys didn't hear me on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast today or you don't listen, A, you should, but I'm giving out 10 tubs of shave butter. It's the best stuff I've ever put on my face before shaving in my entire life. I'm almost 40 years old. It's like butter. It's awesome. It's shave butter. And we're giving away 10 to the first 10 people that rate and review any of our shows on Apple Podcasts. So it's that easy. Just rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Go ahead and take a screenshot after you do it. Forward it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com. And if you're one of the first 10 people, you will get free shave butter sent to your house. You should also head over to DollarShaveClub.com slash feast. To pick up your own Dollar Shave Club starter set for just $5. After your starter set, products ship at regular price, but you can try it out for just $5. Make sure you check out their new video too. It's hilarious. That's DollarShaveClub.com slash feast. DollarShaveClub.com slash feast. All right, Evan. It's the first game. I will be on the sideline. Let's talk about it. Falcons-Eagles. Awesome. So the Eagles passing game really limping into the season 
with uh, Nick Fo- or Nick Foles as a starting quarterback. Carson Wentz is not ready yet. We don't know exactly when he's going to be back. Um, I think they're just going to take it on a week-by-week basis. Same goes with Alshon Jeffrey. So I think that the Eagles, it would make a lot of sense for them to put the ball in Jay Ajayi's belly as much as possible. And you can run on the Falcons. Dan Quinn, uh, since since he took over as the Falcons' head coach, the Falcons have finished no better than 20th in run defense DVOA. They finished 20th, 28th, and 25th. Uh, in Dan Quinn's three seasons as coach. And they've also allowed the most receptions in the NFL to running backs in each of those three seasons. It's a part of their scheme. They're willing to give up to concede those running back catches. They have a lot of speed at linebacker. uh, Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell, um, Duke Riley. They're going to count on those guys to make plays um, and they want and they want to limit your big plays, which kind of works against uh, Mike Wallace. Uh, last year, they were one of the best teams at uh, defending deep passes, and they have really good corners on the back end too. I mean, Desmond Trufant, Robert Alford, Brian Poole. I think that that is uh, top eight cornerback trio in the league. Uh, they also get a lot of. They also are really good at um, safety with Keanu Neal uh, and uh, their free safety. Uh, is really good as well. Um, so the the Falcons, I, I think that you know this is a, a game where you attack them underneath. Um, I think that we see a lot of Nelson Aguilar. His uh, outlook is elevated with no Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Nelson Aguilar last year led the Eagles in um, uh, red zone targets and targets inside the ten. I think he will be a big part uh, of this passing game, uh, and then. <clears throat> Zach Ertz, of course, in the middle of the field. Uh, I went back and looked at uh, Nick Foles' target distribution uh, last season, and Zach Ertz had by far the most targets, had 49 targets uh, when Nick Foles was in the game. Nelson Aguilar was uh, second with 40, and then uh, third was Alshon Jeffrey all the way down to 34. Um, so I think that Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar really benefit Jay high upside RB2 play. Corey Clement is a guy who's generated a lot of buzz. Um, one thing to note is that no Eagles pass cat, no Eagles running back exceeded 13 receptions all last season. Um, Corey Clement was not a high volume back. I know he had that big uh, Super Bowl game. Only had seven touches in that game, though. Uh, and you know, never had games where he had a, a lot of touches. So I want to see the Eagles show a willingness to give Corey Clement a lot of touches in a game before I'm thinking about him as like a sneaky flex play. I think Jay Ajayi, uh, who averaged almost 16 touches per game over the Eagles' final six games last year, he's the guy who has a chance at 20 touches in this one. Um, and then uh, we can move on to the Falcons. Falcons offensively uh, going against an Eagles defense that will not have Nigel Bradham. He's suspended for yep. a game, and Timmy Jernigan is still not ready to play along the defensive line that also lost Bo Allen and Vinnie Curry, but added uh, Haloti Nada and Michael Bennett. Yes. So I think it's a difficult matchup for the Falcons' backfield uh, in general. Uh, you did mention how Nigel Bradham is out. I think that that could – he was an every-down player 
Um, that could potentially work in the favor of Austin Hooper, but you know, Austin Hooper didn't show us a whole lot in his second year and he's still kind of in a wait and see mode. He had that monster game in week one against the bears, exploited two busted coverages, had 128 yards and a touchdown on two catches in that game. But then he went 17 straight games, including the playoffs without going over 50 yards. Uh, so he's very much in prove it mode. Uh, Julio Jones has gone over a hundred yards in four straight meetings with the Eagles. Uh, when these teams played in January, Julio had nine for one Oh one, uh, and very nearly caught, uh, that game winning touchdown pass, but it, it sailed through his hands. He kind of slipped a little bit. Um, and you know, that's, that, that's how the, the ball bounces. Uh, but I, I think that he can have a big game here. That was with the Eagles uh, cornerback unit at full strength. Ronald Darby was back then. Um, and I think that Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby, they're, they're good, not great. Uh, I think that they're about, about middle of the road uh, across the league. Uh, the Eagles also lost Patrick Robinson, their slot corner. They will turn to rookie, uh, second-round rookie last year out of Washington, was uh, thought to be a first-round pick before he tore his Achilles before the draft, Sidney Jones. Um, we'll, we'll see how he holds up uh, in, in this full-time slot role. Uh, I think that Muhammad Sanu is kind of interesting. Like if you're, There are these one-game slates you can play on uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, and Mohamed Sanu would be kind of interesting on that kind of a slate, but I don't think he's really like a fantasy starter uh, with you know no buys and every player uh, across the you know very few injuries. And you know, this is the time of the year where Mohamed Sanu is not really in the mix as a fantasy starter. Once we start getting into like week seven, week eight, and there are you know four or five, six teams on buy and a bunch of people are injured. At that point, we would maybe look as, at him as a third receiver slash flex play, but right now he's like a wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Um, uh, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. So Devontae Freeman averaged over 16 touches per game last year when both of these guys were healthy. Tevin Coleman averaged 10.7 touches per game. That's what we can expect. Uh, Tevin Coleman, usually an unreliable flex play. Devontae Freeman should be a high-end RB2, uh, even in this difficult matchup. He just dominates red zone work over Tevin Coleman and is always a better bet to score touchdowns. Had 34 red zone touches or red zone carries last year to Tevin Coleman's 23 and eight uh, red zone targets to Tevin Coleman's four last season. The Eagles have allowed seven and a half fewer points in home games over the last seasons. Um, so I don't think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. When these teams played last January, too, I mean, the game was 15-10. to 10, You know, and I don't know if it'll be that low-scoring, but I, my prediction for the game was, like, 23-20. to 20. Um, So I don't really have high hopes for Matt Ryan. I think that Julio and Devontae Freeman stand out as good fantasy plays on the Falcons, and that's really about it. All right, let's get to Sunday then. Sunday, 1 o'clock. Bills and the Ravens, man, talk to me about this Nathan Peterman-led Bills offense against the Ravens, D. Yeah, well, the really strong DFS correlation play here is going to be Alex Collins plus the Ravens defense against 
uh, the Bills and Nathan Peterman. I mean, this is a game that the, the Ravens really should control. And they should be able to give the ball to Alex Collins a lot. The Bills last year ranked 30th in run defense DVOA, and they allowed the most fantasy points in the NFL to running backs. Now, they went out and made some additions. They signed Starla Tulele, but he was 69th among 79 qualified defensive tackles in pro football focus's run defense grades. Last year, just not a very good player. They really overpaid him um, and certainly doesn't rush the passer. Uh, and then they're also there. Another big addition was Trent Murphy, who uh, he battled knee and groin problems all throughout training camp. Uh, he got popped for PEDs in 2016 and missed the entire 2017 season with a torn ACL and MCL. Just another head scratching signing by the Bills. And then their third big addition uh, was Tremaine Edmonds, who, you know, they drafted at age 19. I think he has a chance to become a really good player. But my goodness, man, he's entering the NFL, just turned 20 years old. You know, he's going to be a wide-eyed rookie in all likelihood for some time. And he's going to have to deal a lot with, like, Marshall Yanda in this game. I I think I'm going to pick Marshall Yanda over uh, 20-year-old Tremaine Edmonds. So Alex Collins, I think... Um, one of my favorite players, my, my favorite fantasy plays this week, just checks every box that we look for, you know, playing at home, big favorite, facing a terrible run de- run defense. Um, I, I like all that. I think I do think that Buck Allen will be involved, maybe 8 to 11 touches, and maybe Kenneth Dixon will be sp- uh, sprinkled in a little bit. But this is Alex Collins' backfield, and they treated him like a, a, a true workhorse during the preseason, using him very, very sparingly. I don't think we'll see uh, Joe Flacco have to do much in this game. I do think he's going to be an interesting streamer when he has really good matchups, but the Bills, from a pass defense standpoint, uh, they're they're really, really good. They're really like a run-funnel defense. Uh, we talk about pass-funnel defenses, defenses that uh, shut down the, the running game, uh, but you can really hurt, hurt them with the pass. Um, those are really fun to attack uh, in daily fantasy with quarterbacks. But these run funnel defenses that uh, are weak uh, in the front seven and are willing to give up uh, um, you know, rushing yards uh, but shut down the pass on the back end, you know, we attack those with running backs. And the Bills are really the, the preeminent example of that. Um, really good uh, in pass defense. So, uh, I, I'm not expecting very much from Michael Crabtree, John Brown. You know, I'm sure that one of the guys will have a, a decent game. It's but it's going to be really hard to predict, um, and I, I just I don't have any confidence trying to predict that. On the other side, right? So Nathan Peterman. I mean, you know, I went back and watched all of his interceptions uh, from that Week 11 game, I believe it was against the Chargers, and you know, the first one clanks off of. Patrick DeMarco's hands and uh, right up into the air and is easily picked off by a Chargers defender. Uh, And then the next two, he got rocked in the face. Um, And the ball just kind of, you know, ballooned, you know, hot air ballooned up into the air and came back down and dropped into a Chargers defender's hands. The the last two um, were were fairly bad. Uh, The second one, it just looked like it was a bad quick read or the, the fourth one, I'm sorry, it just looked like it was a bad quick read uh, and, it, and the route was jumped by the Chargers defensive back. And then uh, the fifth one uh, was a bad throw that just sailed way over his receiver's head. But I really think that, you know, it, it, you know, 
if variance just would have gone the other way, Peterman should have only, in quotes, thrown two picks in that first half. But either way, you know, I, I think we, we try to tee off on he, him here. Ravens defense, one of the best uh, fantasy defense plays on the board in week one. I think they will be the highest owned defense in uh, daily fantasy this week. You, you can try to mess around with Kelvin Benjamin and Charles Clay, but you know those guys are, are purely volume-based, target-based uh, selections. You know, this is a run-first team, and I'm not even sure that they're going to have the ball a whole lot in this game because I really think that the Ravens should be able to control time of possession. Um, so I'm not really trying to use any of these uh, these Bills pass catchers in fantasy. Uh, the, the Bills offensive line just looked so, so bad uh, in the preseason. Um, they lost Cordy Glenn to the Bengals. They lost Eric Wood to retirement, and they lost Richie Incognito to jail. Uh, so that's a lot of a lot of losses on the on the uh, on the offensive front. I think that Lashawn McCoy can still flirt with twenty touches in this game, uh, but I think his efficiency is going to struggle for efficiency, uh, and he's unlikely to score. Uh, over the past two years, seventeen of his twenty-two touchdowns have come in home games. Almost eighty percent here. He is obviously on the road. Uh, so I downgraded him to like a low-end RB2, despite the fact that he does look like his volume is safe. The next game we've got, it's one of the other 1 o'clock games. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Should be said, Evan, that we're recording this at 9.33 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we'll probably release it within an hour and a half. The latest report I saw was that Le'Veon Bell was not in the meeting with his teammates this morning. I tweeted earlier this morning at Ross Tucker NFL that from a strictly business perspective, you know, his best bet is to probably show up on Saturday because then he still gets his $855,000 for this week, but it's highly unlikely the Steelers play him in the game. So there's no injury risk. That's, you know, one less game of injury risk and one less game of 20 to 25 touches and however many other hits and pass protection, whatever. And my guess is that's what he's doing, but who knows? Right after we post this or right after we do this preview, maybe he'll show up. Either way, I don't know how much they're going to play him. I I wouldn't play him on my fantasy team this week, that's for sure. Oh, interesting, interesting. Okay, well, um, I I probably would, um, but... We, we saw what he did last year in that first game, and uh, he had over 20 touches. He wasn't very effective. He started last season slow, um, and I think most people chalk that up to the holdout and maybe not being in optimal conditioning, optimal football conditioning. Uh, but, I mean, if I'm going to get 20 touches out of Le'Veon Bell, if I think that I'm going to get 20 touches out of Le'Veon Bell, I'm going to play him. I mean, he's going to be a top you know, 20 fantasy play. Uh, at the running back position at worst. Um, but, you know, the, we're going to have to wait for more information. And, um, you know, like we're going to have to make a late week decision on that. And we're just going to have to monitor all the all the information that comes out. If he doesn't play, James Conner is going to get 20 touches against the Browns. And he immediately becomes a top 20 fantasy player. I really like the way that James Conner looked 
uh, during the preseason. I don't care about yards per carry averages. You know, don't give me uh, preseason yards per carry averages, please. Um, but I really like the way he looked, especially in the passing game. Uh, and I really liked his usage because they used him as an every down back with Le'Veon Bell, of course, away from the team. Uh, there is some threat here, I think, for the, the Steelers to disappoint. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about Big Ben on the road and how he struggles on the road. It's really not that he struggles only on the road. It's that he struggles in uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time road games. Uh, if you look at his stats uh, in night games and in uh, the 4 p.m. Eastern time start games, on the road, he's fine, um, and they, they, they align with the rest of his uh, career stats. But if you strictly isolate the 1 p.m. Eastern time games on the road for Ben Roethlisberger, that's when he flops. And we know that the Browns have a ton of talent on defense. I mean, they, they are really, really loaded on defense, um, and I think that uh, they can – I think that they're a, a legitimate threat to pull the upset here. Um I, I think that Ben is like a fringe quarterback one in this environment. Uh, I think, you know, we're, we're never messing around with A.B. He's always the, the overall wide receiver one play. I mean, dude, you know, went nuts against Jalen Ramsey twice last year. Jalen Ramsey, the best cover corner in football. Um, I, I, you know, Juju, I think he, we will see him in the slot in this game. Um, I'm not yet sure who is going to be covering the slot for the Browns. That's something that we're going to have to kind of piece together um, as the season moves forward. But I think that Juju is a solid wide receiver to play. The rest of the guys, you know, James Washington suffered an abdominal injury in the Steelers' third preseason game, did not play in the preseason finale. That's an injury to monitor. Um, and then Vance McDonald missed like almost all of training camp with a foot injury. Sounds like he does have a shot to play this week. Uh, I would love to use him against the Browns, who their their defensive scheme is, is really, really favorable uh, for tight end production. And we saw guys like Tyler Croft and Jesse James having monster weeks against them last season. And I think that we might... Um, you know, we, we might get Vance McDonald, but he's going to be really difficult to trust after missing so much time, maybe not being at 100 percent, et cetera. Um, so that that kind of takes care of the Steelers. I think the Browns can have one of the best running games in football this year. You have a dual threat quarterback, which we've talked, you know, at length over the years, how that can help your rushing attack. Uh, they have one of the best interior offensive lines in the league uh, with uh, Joel Betonio at left guard, uh, and it uh, looks like they are moving him uh, in, in, back inside to left guard um, and not starting the rookie Austin Corbett. Uh, and then J.C. Treader, who they got from the Packers uh, last year, he had a solid first season in Cleveland. And then Kevin Zeitler, one of the best uh, right guards in football. You know, that's a, an awesome interior trio. And then Carlos Hyde looked like a man among boys during the preseason. Uh, 17 carries for 108 yards and a touchdown. Um, and if you watched him play, I mean, it, it, it was clear why Nick Chubb never even challenged him uh, during August because he's ready to go. You know, he's back 
uh, in the place where he played college football. Uh, you know, he of course played at Ohio State in Columbus. Um, I think he can have a really, really big year from a rushing standpoint if he stays healthy, uh, which he did do last year in San Francisco, and he had uh, set a career high for, for uh, total yards. One thing that PFS Scott Barrett pointed out uh, this week is that Tyrod Taylor uh, has, uh, over the last uh, few seasons, last three seasons, yeah, during uh, his time in Buffalo, he had the NFL's uh, best uh, yards per attempt average against, uh, I'm sorry, the best passer rating against zone coverage uh, and really struggled against and the fifth worst uh, passer rating against man coverage. Uh, and the Steelers are an 80% zone team, uh, or at least they were last year, and there's no reason really to believe that they that they would change, bringing back the same defensive coordinator and a bunch of the same guys in the secondary. Uh, so I thought that that was interesting to note. I think that Tyrod Taylor is a good start in two quarterback leagues, uh, and not a terrible start um, as like a, a sort of desperate streamer if you you know drafted Carson Wentz or um, you know you're you're waiting for Jameis Winston or you play in a particularly deep league. I think we're going to get thirty plus snaps from Josh Gordon. Uh, Jarvis Landry will be out there all game. David and Joku looked like a beast. In the preseason, he should be able to make something of a second-year leap. Uh, and I think that they are going to be able to move the ball on offense against this Steelers defense, which just was you know, a shell of it, its former self uh, without Ryan, after losing Ryan Shazier uh, last season. Uh, I think that Jarvis Landry is you know, a solid wide receiver to play. Uh, Josh Gordon is going to be boom or bust until he proves that he can play a full game. Uh, David Njoku is like on the fringe of like being a, a tight end 12 to 14, somewhere in that uh, range. So that's how I'm, I'm kind of viewing these teams. Uh, and I do think that the Browns can pull the upset. Wow. Interesting. All right. Cincinnati at Indy, kind of an under the radar game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm uh, pretty worried here about the Colts. Um, you know, Andrew Luck suffered that foot injury late in training camp. He's going to be out there, but I, I, I don't trust his health yet. And, and I, I want, I want him to like prove it to me that he can show that he's healthy. Um, you know, he's someone that I would consider streaming over in week one. This is a really difficult matchup. I mean, this Bengals defensive front is so athletic with Carlos Dunlap and, um, Geno Atkins and, it looks like they're going to start Carl Lawson over Michael Johnson, which they should have done last year. Uh, but he's going to be matching up with uh, probably the Colts' backup left tackle because Anthony Costanzo is not ready yet. Uh, and that's that's a little scary, man. I mean, Carl Lawson has a chance to become a dominant uh, edge pass rusher, uh, and that is worrisome for Andrew Luck. Uh, Andrew Luck does not have a whole lot of weapons right now. His offensive line looked poor. Uh, during the preseason, even after they, they really went out of their way to fix it, uh, just did not look ready to uh, protect the, the passer and open up running lanes yet. Um, you know, it, it, it might take some time, and this is not a good matchup to start off with. I really like the Bengals' fantasy defense in this game. I don't know how you could trust any of the Colts' running backs. You know, it's going to be Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines, 
Christine Michael, assuming he gets cleared from his concussion. Uh, but those guys were highly unproductive uh, in the preseason trying to run behind the Colts' first team line. Um, T.Y. Hilton is always a fantasy starter, and his splits historically are great uh, when he plays indoors at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, and he just, you know, he's such a big play threat um, that, I, you know, he's, he's good to go as like a fringe wide receiver one. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of competition for targets. The, his main competition for targets is going to be Jack Doyle. And the Bengals have been pretty giving to tight ends over the years. And they're going to be missing Vontez Perfect for the first four games due to a suspension. So I think that Jack Doyle is you know, not, not an exciting fantasy play, but definitely a guy who could catch six or seven balls. Uh, and that's very valuable in, in PPR. Uh, and he will have a big share of their red zone usage. Um, I, am not sure exactly what role Eric Ebron's is going to is going to have to open the season. Uh, we didn't get, get much clarity on that, uh, from the preseason. Ryan Grant is going to be the number two receiver, Chester Rogers, number three. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what their usage is as we, uh, progress. But I think that the only confident fantasy play here or the confident fantasy plays here are T Y Hilton and Jack Doyle. Uh, and then on the Bengals side, Again, I think that this is a game that the Bengals can kind of control. That bodes well, always for your running game. Uh, I think that Joe Mixon, uh, and he, he showed a lot in the receiving game during the preseason. He shed 20 pounds uh, since he reported to uh, minicamp as a rookie. He showed up at 238, uh, and he was down to 218 early in training camp. Love to see that, that major weight loss. It kind of reminds me of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell weighed about 240 um, as a rookie. And then uh, when he reported to, uh, as a second-year pro, uh, he was down into the, the, the low 220s, maybe even the high, uh, like, 218. Um, so I, I like that trajectory, and I, I think that um, Joe Mixon will open the season as the Bengals' clear-cut feature back. A.J. Green should be able to get loose against this secondary. I love the way that uh, the, you know, the the Colts are starting Pierre Desir and Kenny Moore at cornerback. Okay, their second round pick last year, Quincy Wilson, has not been able to earn a starting job. That's a major disappointment for them. They took him uh, pretty high in the draft. Um, they are getting back Malik Hooker at at, uh, at free safety, uh, but their secondary does not look good. They cut their best pass rusher, John Simon. I really like Andy Dalton as a streamer in this game. Uh, and I love the way that the Bengals used Tyler Eifert during the preseason, almost like a late career Antonio Gates, where he's only playing on passing downs and in the red zone. Uh, that kind of limits, you know, he's not going to have six, seven catch games, uh, but he can have three, four, five catch games and score a touchdown. Um, and that, uh, you know, pretty much any time that a tight end scores a touchdown, they're going to finish as a top 12 play on the week. I'm kind of still in wait-and-see mode on John Ross. They played him so much in the preseason, um, and I wonder if he's going to open the season uh, rotating with uh, Josh Malone. Tyler Boyd is going to be the Bengals' slot receiver. Uh, so I think that the, 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 the guys to really lean on here are AJ, AJ Green, Joe Mixon, to a lesser extent Andy Dalton, and then I think Tyler Eifert is an underrated 
tight end play this week. I mean, just all these guys have really good matchups. Next up, we've got the Tennessee Titans and the Miami Dolphins. Yep. Uh, so the Titans are favored by one point in this game. Um, I, you know, I think it's going to be a balanced game. I don't think that either team has a significant advantage here. Uh, Kenyon Drake, um, through his first 166 car- carries in the NFL, averaging 4.96 yards per carry, uh, he looked terrific in the 2018 preseason. Uh, he finished last season top five pro football focus is pass blocking efficiency. Uh, and over the last five games, averaged 119 yards from scrimmage, most in the league, on 21.6 touches per game. But the beat writers all offseason talked about, uh, or all throughout training camp, talked about how Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake would split the workload. And then on the Dolphins' pre-week one depth chart, they listed Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore as co-starters. So I, I'm just not really exactly sure what is going to be you know, going down here in terms of their usage and that, that backfield distribution. Um, I'm ca- considering Kenyon Drake a uh, middling RB2 uh, until we get you know, confirmation that uh, he's going to be receiving that kind of that kind of workload that he saw down the stretch last year. Look, if he's getting 21.6 touches a game, again, he is going to be a mid-range to potentially even high-end RB1. That is definitely within his range of potential outcomes. But I am worried about the Dolphins giving Frank Gore more work, maybe you know in the passing game, maybe down by the goal line uh, than than he probably deserves uh, from a talent level. At this stage of his career, the Titans were highly vulnerable to running backs in the passing game last year, allowed the most receiving yards in the league to opposing running backs. I like that for Kenyon Drake. Um, Ryan Tannehill, you know, the last time we saw him was in 2016. The Dolphins really employed him conservatively, uh, averaging 29.9 pass attempts per game. Uh, He was purely a game manager. I think that they're going to, again, play it really conservatively with Ryan Tannehill. It, it makes sense, too. They need to keep him healthy. Uh, look at their quarterback depth chart. It's, it's, it's an embarrassment, you know, to, to be quite frank. I mean, Brock Osweiler, David Fales, and Luke Falk. Uh, this is, you know, one of the worst quarterback depth charts in the league. They have to keep Ryan Tannehill healthy. Um, so I think he's like a low-end two-quarterback league play against the Titans. Uh, the Titans are going to be missing Derek Morgan and uh, Harold Landry, two of their best outside edge pass rushers. Uh, so that may create some opportunities uh, for Kenny Stills to get deep uh, against this Titans secondary. Um, you know, I think that that's just something to file away. Kenny Stills is never has a safe floor, you know, but he is in the mix as a wide receiver four slash flex play. Uh, Danny Amendola. This is his 10th NFL season. He has never reached 700 receiving yards uh, in a single season. Um, But the Dolphins are are really trying to force him into a full-time slot role. Um, And I think he can lead this team in uh, targets and catches for as long as his body holds up. Um, You know, I think that he's kind of a mismatch in the slot for Logan Ryan. The the Titans' outside corners are Adoree Jackson, 
and Malcolm Butler, smaller guys, uh, but I, I like both of them. Uh, Logan Ryan's a little bit bigger, um, and I think that he, the quickness that Danny Amendola has is going to give him problems on the interior. Uh, Danny Amendola is an underrated PPR option this week, a really good fit on DraftKings. If you could get him at a cheap price, um, Devontae Parker is not going to play according to the Miami Herald. So we're going to see Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant uh, maybe sharing time as that in that in uh, three receiver sets. Mike Jasicki was not listed as a starter on the Dolphins pre-week one depth chart either. Um, I want to see it, you know, with Mike Jasicki before we start talking about him as a fantasy play. On the other side, I wish that Marcus Mariota would have had a better preseason. Um, and I wish that we would have seen Richard Matthews a little bit. And I wish that we would have seen Delaney Walker a little bit. Um, and I wish that, you know, Marcus Mariota in that third preseason game would have not missed Corey Davis repeatedly for potential big plays against the Steelers. I, I just, I don't know what to think about this Titans passing game entering the season. I would love to attack this Dolphins pass defense, which, which really, it's trash. Um, you know, I like Xavier Howard and I like a little bit of what they have going up for, up front, but they're, they're going to be beatable throughout the season and I would love to attack it, but I, I just really, I think they're, all these guys are unknowns. Uh, Delaney Walker is the one guy that um, I would consider like a top seven play at his position. Uh, the Dolphins got absolutely rocked by tight ends all last year. Um, they gave up uh, the second most yards and touchdowns to tight ends. Uh, and, you know, they did add Mink- Minka Fitzpatrick, but he's playing slot corner. Um, you know, their safeties are, are both back. TJ McDonald, Rashad Jones. Um, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to improve a whole lot. You know, Kiko Alonso is a, is a, a liability in coverage. So I think that uh, Delaney Walker is a solid play. I'm not sure what to do yet with the other uh, couple of guys. Taewon Taylor ran behind Tajay Sharp in the final two preseason games. I mean, it's just we need to get a game or two under our belt before we have a more confident projection uh, for what is going on in terms of playing time uh, in the Titans passing game. Derrick Henry, I think, I think you know, especially with so much unknown in the passing game, like they need to give the ball to Derrick Henry and try to let him be the means of uh, generating offense at least early in the season. The Dolphins have finished 15th or worse in Football Outsiders' run defense DVOA in five straight seasons. Um, I don't see a whole lot of reason for them to suddenly be you know, much better in run defense. Um, Derrick Henry, I mean, the, the Dolphins don't have size at linebacker. They have decent speed, but they do not have size at linebacker. Derrick Henry's bigger than any Dolphins linebacker. Um, so I think that that can be a mismatch. And I think that we will see Deion Lewis used as a change of pace slash third down back. Uh, but I think that as, as, you know, this is a game where the Titans are favored. Uh, I think it sets up better for Derrick Henry than it does for Deion Lewis. I think that Derrick Henry has big touchdown upside in this game. We can move on to the next one. Before we move on to the next one, you mentioned DraftKings, Evan, and I'll just make sure people know. Finally, tomorrow night, football's back. This is what's so awesome about DraftKings. They are hosting a fantasy football contest that's $10 to enter and has a $1 million top prize. 
limited time only. If you sign up with code FEAST today, DraftKings will give you a free entry with your first deposit. Single game showdown just for Thursday night. It's the newest way to play. All you have to do is draft six players from Thursday's game, stay under the cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. You're putting your football knowledge to work. You could win $1 million while watching the season opener. Top prize, a million dollars. You don't have to come in first to be a winner. There are $2.5 million in total prizes, which means literally thousands of winners. Download the app or go to DraftKings.com now. Use promo code FEAST to sign up and make your first deposit when you go. DraftKings will give you a free shot at $1 million this Thursday. That's code FEAST at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And see Evan Silva for his breakdown of the Niners and the Vikings, Evan. Who do you want to start with? Oh, um... You, man, that was a quite the transition there. You you you, you must do this a lot. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about. Let's start here with the Vikings. I mean, first of all, this 49ers defense, I, I think it's it's garbage. I, I really do. I think that they have some pieces. The most worrisome piece for the from the Vikings standpoint is DeForest Buckner in the middle because the, the Vikings are going to be starting Danny Isadora. At center, this dude played 39 games at Miami. Never played a game at center, um, and he played. He's made what? Two, he's made. This will be a second NFL start, um, and he. I mean, he's never played center at, at the college or the pro level. Okay, so that is concerning. He's going to be playing in in place of um, Pat Elfline. Uh, the Vikings placed their left guard Nick Easton on injured reserve, and he will be replaced by Tom Compton who has, I mean, played for, like, every team in the league. Um, he, he is, you know, a veteran, and he's been in there, so that's g- good, I guess. But, man, like, trying to block DeForest Buckner is going to be very difficult. But the, the 49ers do not have an edge pass rusher. You know, they were led in sacks last year by Elvis Doomerville, uh, who is retired. And they don't have anything on the edge. So... As long as Kirk Cousins get the, gets the ball out quickly, and you know they have the the, the the Vikings have this one guy that they can focus on, I think that they can be fine. One thing that I looked at was um, Kirk Cousins' uh, indoor outdoor splits in his career, and um, he has been much better indoors. And it's relevant, of course, because he's going from playing uh, outdoors at FedEx Field at home in Washington to playing indoors at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. His indoor passer rating is 100.7 versus an outdoor passer rating of 92.4. So pretty nice uh, difference there. And then uh, he's averaged 8.3 yards per attempt indoors and only 7.6 yards per attempt outdoors. So I, I like that, and I love his weapons. I mean, Stefan Diggs is going to run circles around Richard Sherman. You, you know, Richard Sherman coming off a torn Achilles at age 30, struggled with a hamstring injury during training camp. He is going to match up primarily with Stefan Diggs, and that's going to be a mismatch. Okay, Stefan Diggs is an awesome play 
in week one. I think that he can go ham. This is usually what Stefan Diggs does. He goes nuts in the first couple games of the season. Then he suffers a nagging groin injury. Hopefully this year he can uh, avoid that nagging groin injury and we can get the most out of Stefan Diggs because, I mean, I think that at his peak he could lead the NFL in receiving yards. I mean, he has that kind of ability. We're going to see Adam Thielen as a full-time slot receiver. Uh, after Laquan Treadwell won the Vikings' third receiver job over Kendall Wright, I think that's that's you know fine for Adam Thielen. I think that Adam Thielen can win on the outside and in the slot. His uh, his metrics are good at both positions. Uh, last year, he had the highest target rate uh, among slot receivers when he was aligned inside. Uh, and Kirk Cousins' leading receiver the past couple seasons has been a slot receiver in Jamison Crowder. So I do like Diggs' uh, upside better in this game uh, than Thielen's, but Thielen has a really good floor, I think. Good matchup, you know, not a whole lot to be worried about. Uh, real high-end wide receiver, too. For me, Diggs is a wide receiver one this week. Uh, the 49ers are getting back Jaquiski Tart, who last year they used as, like, their tight end stopper, and he was really good in that role until he got hurt in Week 9. I'm still rolling with Kyle Rudolph everywhere. 15 touches, the touchdowns the last two seasons. Um, and the, this Vikings defense is going to consistently give them short fields, uh, leading to more red zone chances. That's good news for Kyle Rudolph uh, because he is the Vikings' best red zone uh, weapon. Uh, another thing that uh, PFF Scott Barrett pointed out, Kirk Cousins in Washington had – um, he targeted tight ends at a 24.5% clip. Uh, that is well above the league average among quarterbacks, 20.8%. So that bodes well for Kyle Rudolph. I think it's going to be a fairly even split to begin the season between Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray. Uh, but, you know, last year the Vikings running backs averaged 33.1 touches per game. Uh, that's a lot of touches to be distributed. And, uh, Dalvin Cook uh, can still, you know, get 18, and Latavius Murray can get 15, uh, and they can both be good fantasy players. I think that if you're in a non-PPR league, Latavius Murray is an underrated flex play this week, and uh, Dalvin Cook is good to go as a real solid RB2. The Vikings are home favorites. Um, I, I'm not sure that his touchdown upside is real high because Latavius Murray is so good down in the red area and the Vikings are fully expected to use him uh, in scoring position this year. Uh, but I do think that Dalvin cook is a solid RB two play this week. On the other side, this is a very difficult matchup for the 49ers. I mean, there, there is no way around that. Uh, the Vikings point totals allowed. Well, I won't go through all the point totals, but over their last 10 home games, they've allowed an average of 13.4 points per game. Okay, that, that's not many points. <laughs> and uh, the 49ers, I mean, I'm, I'm not real sure what to think about Jimmy Garoppolo in, in this matchup. You know, I think that we're going to see Xavier Rhodes on Pierre Garçon and Trey Waynes on Marquise Goodwin. Um, I like the matchup for Marquise Goodwin. I think that Marquise Goodwin enters the season as, a, as an every week fantasy starter. I'd be more concerned about Pierre Garçon. Um, and then, you know, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to get out of George Kittle. He's another one of these guys that missed almost all of training camp due to a separated shoulder. Is he going to open the season rotating with uh, with uh, Garrett Selleck? Because that's how they used him down the stretch last year after he got a little bit banged up. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is just kind of 
kind of a fringe quarterback one play. Um, and George Kittle is like a fringe tight end one play. Um, and Marquise Goodwin, and I'm not, not trying to mess around with Pierre Garcon this weekend, and Marquise Goodwin is uh, a solid wide receiver three. You do get to use him indoors with that track speed. Um, I think that he can get behind Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes has a lot of speed, though. I mean, he, he ran 4-3-1 coming out of Michigan State. Uh, the backfield has been the situation that you know, has caused a lot of fantasy chatter. It looks like Matt Breida is going to start the game. Um, I do not think that he is going to end up as the 49ers lead back. Uh, he's never been a productive pass catcher in college or the pros. Last year, the second most drops among NFL running backs, despite seeing only 36 targets. His catch totals at Georgia Southern were 8, 3, and 11. Um, so, I mean, that's four years of football playing experience and no evidence uh, that he can be a productive pass catcher. Alfred Morris has never been a productive pass catcher. Uh, I think that my, my sense is that at some point they're either going to need to sign a, a running back who can catch passes or they're just going to use your boy Kyle Juszczyk, uh as they're at a Harvard, the Ivy Leaguer, um, use him as their primary receiving back. Uh, and he did, uh, his passing game role did increase as last season progressed. I'm not trying to use any of these running backs in week one at Minnesota. But the 49ers schedule loosens up considerably thereafter. And, um, you know, we, we will continue to uh, play this one by ear. I think that Alfred Morris is going to emerge as a 16 to 20 per game back. And Matt Breida will be an 8 to 11 touch per game back. The 49ers have always viewed Matt Breida in that Tevin Coleman role. Uh, and Alfred Morris can be you know, the, the lead back in this backfield. Houston is at New England, Evan. What do you got on the Texans and the Patriots? Well, these teams played last year in Week Three, and it was a thirty-six to thirty-three barn burner. Um, I see no reason to. I mean, both teams did get better on defense. You know, the Texans are getting back JJ Watt, Whitney Merciless, Jadavian Clowney's healthy. Uh, they added Aaron Colvin as at slot corner. That was a nice upgrade for them. Um, and then the, the Patriots got better with Adrian Claiborne. They're getting back Dante Hightower. You know, they're, they're healthy on defense. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I still think that this game projects as a high-scoring game. Uh, Brady had 378 yards and five TDs, and that was with Watt and Merciless playing uh, last week three. Uh, so I, I'm not too worried. You know, the Patriots could not run the ball at all. On the Texans last season, uh, Mike Gillisley just kept getting stoned. Um, you know, at, at the line of scrimmage, Patriots had one rushing first down in, the, in, the, in this game last year, uh, and sixteen passing first downs. So, I think it's going to be a lot of get the ball out quick. You know, get the ball to Gronk. Gronk could have like fifteen targets in this game. In Week Three last year, he had ten targets against the Texans. Went eight for eighty-nine and a touchdown. Gronk is going to be an absolute monster early in the season. Uh, I mean, he you know he, he should absolutely smash due to all the Patriots' uh, injuries in the pass catcher core. I think James White is going to lead this backfield in uh, snaps to begin the season. Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle have been out. Doesn't look like Michelle's going to play. Does look like Burkhead will play. We we actually may see Burkhead play more slot receiver than anything. Uh, he ran on he ran a pass route on 52 percent 
of his uh, 2017 snaps, uh, and uh, he had the third highest slot rate among all running backs last year. So we may see him as the primary slot receiver. Chris Hogan went four for 68 and two touchdowns in these teams meeting last year. Matt, these teams meeting last year. Uh, he plays at about 55 to 60 percent of his snaps on the outside. Uh, and that's where the Texans are weakest. I mean, Kevin Johnson was pro football focus's lowest rated cornerback in coverage among 120 last season. And Jonathan Joseph is really getting up there in age. So I think that Chris Hogan, awesome wide receiver to play right off the bat with, you know, as high of scoring probability as any wide receiver on the slate. Um, the, the complimentary pass catchers are going to be Philip Dorsett. Uh, Cordero Patterson, Jacob Hollister, and then the running backs, White and Burkhead. Um, so that's kind of difficult to sift through. You know, I'm sure that people that play Daily Fantasy will be trying to take take shots on like Philip Dorsett. Um, and, and Brady did seem to kind of trust him during the preseason, uh, made a, a big-time uh, fourth-down conversion to Philip Dorsett in uh, the second preseason game. I like to see that trust. Um, but I, I think that this is good just going to be the Hogan and Gronk and White and maybe Burkhead show. Uh, I don't think that uh, the, the Patriots are going to try to attack this defense with the running game. Uh, I think that they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Deshaun Watson fully recovered from last year's knee injury. He had 301 passing yards, two touchdowns, 41 yards rushing against this defense last week three. Uh, he did not have Will Fuller. At that time, Will Fuller was out with a collarbone injury. He is he is expected to play. Um, the one thing I noted notice is that the Patriots have done a good job of limiting DeAndre Hopkins historically. Uh, relatively speaking, DeAndre Hopkins has never scored a touchdown against the Patriots in five meetings and has never gotten to 80 yards against the Patriots in five meetings. Um, he will be matched up in, in all likelihood with Stefan Gilmore for most of this game. Uh, I think that Will Fuller is, he's, you know, and it's always scary with guys who have a a hamstring injury, especially when they're speed receivers. So it's definitely not a lock that, that, you know, Will Fuller is not a lock here, but I love the way that his skill set matches up with uh, what Deshaun Watson does because Deshaun Watson last year led the NFL in percentage of throws attempted 20 plus yards downfield. Will Fuller runs 4-3-2. Um, and if we get Will Fuller matched up with Eric Rowe, you know, that's that's a, a great advantage for Will Fuller. Uh, that's a matchup that I think he can win, you know, eight times out of ten. Um, the complimentary pass catchers are Ryan Griffin, Jordan Aikens, Bruce Ellington, Kiki Kuti. You know, just not sure how that's going to be distributed. We will learn more after week one. Uh, Lamar Miller dominated uh, first-team snaps at running back throughout the preseason over Alfred Blue. He should open the season as an every-down back. Don't really necessarily have high hopes for him in fantasy as a, you know, a, a road underdog against an improved defense uh, that added Danny Shelton and Adrian Claiborne and Dante Hightower to its front seven. I mean, they're going to be much better in run defense this year than they were last year. Um, so the matchup isn't great. The environment isn't great. Uh, but Lamar Miller should have a floor of 15 touches, and he could get up over 20 if uh, the Texans 
keep this game close. We're wrapping up episode one here, Evan. We got two more games. What about the Bucks and the Saints? It's a 1 p.m. Ryan Fitzpatrick magical game against Drew Brees. Yeah, this uh, this is a game that um, Alvin Kamara should just go absolutely nuts. Um, the Bucks have finished 26th and 19th in run defense, DVOA the last two seasons. Um, Alvin Kamara, you know, he's he's locked in as like a workhorse back right now. And Mike Gillisley is going to have, he's their number two back, listed ahead of Boston Scott on the depth chart already. Um, they cut Jonathan Williams, Mark Ingram out on suspension. Alvin Kamara should get 20-plus touches in this game as a big home favorite against a run defense that has struggled historically. Uh, Mike Gillsley is only going to have six days to even learn the offense. I think that we will see him out there for a few, you know, kind of gimme between-the-tackles carries, but this is Alvin Kamara's backfield. Uh, I do not think that he will be threatened at the goal line, at least not yet. In the Saints' last five games last year, he had seven carries inside the five. Uh, compared to only one for Mark Ingram. They started making that transition uh, last season. Alvin Kamara, in two meetings with the Buccaneers last last year, had 16 touches for 152 yards and two touchdowns in the first one, and he had 15 touches for 128 yards and a touchdown in the second one. Um, I mean, Alvin Kamara is just an, an incredible play this week. Uh, the, the concern for Drew Brees in the pass catcher core is that is going to be obviously that, you know, the, the Bucks don't even put up a fight in this one and, you know, the, the pass attempt volume is down and Drew Brees just doesn't have to do much and that's possible. But, you know, without Mark Ingram and having a more receiving oriented back in Alvin Kamara, um, it's certainly possible that they just go pass heavier because that is really, you know, their bread and butter. They do not have that that um, that grinder right now between the tackles. So they could easily just come out and light up this this defense. And, you know, if you look at, like, the, the, the skill sets of the Buccaneers' defense from front to back, they are stronger up front than they are in the back. I mean, they did add JPP. They did add Vinnie Curry. You know, they did use what the 12th pick on Vita Vea. They do have Gerald McCoy. McCoy. Quan Alexander and Lamonte David at linebacker. Um, so, and they're they're, you know, in the back end. I mean, they are in trouble because Brent Grimes is thirty five. Uh, Vernon Hargreaves has been a bust. Uh, he's going to be at slot corner, and they're starting rookie Carlton Davis at the other perimeter cornerback position, and they're starting Chris Conti. Um, he's always on the you know in the highlight reel. Uh, in the back, getting burned for big plays uh, in the passing game. They're starting him at strong safety. So their their secondary is real, real bad. The, the Drew Brees can light up this defense. Michael Thomas can go nuts here, um, and so can Alvin Kamara. And you know those guys are, are really clearly atop the the target pecking order in New Orleans. And then after that, it's just a big mishmash of guys. I mean, Alvin Kamara had 100, 100 targets last year despite sharing time and opening the season as the Saints' third running back behind Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. He can have 120 targets, no problem, this year. Uh, Michael Thomas had 140 targets 
last year. Uh, Cameron Meredith was playing in the fourth preseason game. That's not a good side. Now, he did play well in, in, the, in the fourth preseason game. Uh, he made a couple of big plays, but we can't trust him in fantasy yet. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what Ted Ginn's usage is going to be. Traquan Smith uh, was awesome in the preseason. I mean, he caught 15 of 17 targets in the preseason for 189 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I think that he's going to play snaps in week one. I'm just not sure how many. And then you have Ben Watson. So, And then you have Austin Carr and Tommy Lee Lewis. And Austin Carr ran ahead of Cameron Meredith as, as the Saints' number one slot receiver in the preseason. Tommy Lee Lewis also is going to have a role, at very least on special teams. He's going to be up. He's going to be dressed. So I'm just not sure what the di- distribution there is going to be. On the Buccaneers' side, um, you know, the Saints finished last year number five in pass defense DVOA. And then they added Marcus Davenport. Um, they added Patrick Robinson at slot corner. Uh, and they added uh, Kurt Coleman at strong safety. So they did not just, you know, rest on their laurels. Hey, you know, we got a good pass defense. We're all set. They went out and upgraded their pass defense. Uh, that is concerning for the Buccaneers and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, that, and it doesn't look like they're going to have their left tackle, uh, Donovan, Donovan Smith, due to a, a knee injury. Um, so, you know, I'm not expecting much from anybody in the passing game except for Mike Evans. You have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, like, rotating and hurting each other. You have um, Chris Godwin and Deshaun Jackson listed as co-starters. You have Adam Humphreys in the slot. You know, Mike Evans is also a risky play, but he is the one guy that I would be playing in all situations. Uh, but he's not without risk. Now, he did have uh, five for 92, six for 78, and three for 95 and a touchdown in three games. Uh, in the three games, he played extensively with Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. So that's good. But he had 68 yards on 19 targets in two games against the Saints. Marshawn Lattimore is going to be chasing him everywhere. Marshawn Lattimore won that battle last year. Uh, so that's concerning for Mike Evans. Um, he, he's not a high floor guy in this matchup, uh, but he is the one Buccaneers receiver that I would start. I'm worried about Peyton Barber. You know, I think he's a, this is not a good situation for an early down running back going to New Orleans as a big road dog. You know, it, it's very conceivable that Jacquez Rogers is their third down back ends up playing more snaps in this game than Peyton Barber does. And we're not going to see much from Ronald Jones. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you, you don't finish the preseason with what, you know, you're, when you're in a position battle with 22 yards on 28 carries and two drops on three targets and then get playing time in the first game. You know, that, that doesn't happen. I don't care how high of a draft pick you are. Uh, he's going to be their third string running back to open the season. We can move on to the next one. It's the last one, Giants, Jags. Why don't we start with the Giants, Odell, Jalen Ramsey, Evan. Yep, going to be a great matchup. Now, um, DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown did have good games against Jalen Ramsey last year. He is not unavoidable, okay? He only plays 6% of his snaps in the slot. Odell Beckham can play 30% of his snaps in the slot and avoid Jalen Ramsey on 24% of plays. And then you target Odell Beckham every single time that he's not covered, that he gets covered by DJ Hayden as opposed to 
Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is not not impenetrable, and he is not unavoidable. Okay, and Pat Shermer is a good schemer, so I'm not too worried about Odell Beckham. I think he's a great daily fantasy play in tournaments as well because people are going to be worried about him. Um, but I think that he is a really strong play here. Um, the rest of the guys, though, I, I'm, I'm not as sure about. I do think that Sterling Shepard has a good matchup in the slot where he's going to see the most of DJ Hayden. But you know, his targets per game average falls from 9 to 6 when Odell Beckham plays. Evan Ingram's last year was steady. He averaged over 7 targets per game, whether Odell Beckham was on the field or not. But the Jags are really good at defending tight ends with all that speed at linebackers, real solid safety play. They allowed the fifth fewest yards to tight ends last year, and bring back every key member um, of the, the you know the the defense that took care of the tight ends last season. Um, Saquon Barkley looks like he's going to get a full workload. Now there there are some notes. Um, the Jaguars held running backs to the tenth fewest receiving yards in the league last year, uh, and they allowed forty fewer rushing yards per game after acquiring Marshall Darius on October 27th. So it's certainly not an ideal matchup for Saquon Barkley, but the dude is an incredible talent. uh, And it looks like he's going to be all systems go. He projects for 20 plus touches. You know, I'm not overthinking Saquon Barkley here. Uh, He's a great fantasy play. Eli Manning, like uh, mid range to low end second quarterback. Um, I, don't, I don't think that we're going to see him light up this defense by any means. There, there are major matchup concerns for the Giants up front. Uh, you have Calais Campbell squaring off with Eric Flowers. That's, that's a nightmare situation, first of all. And then you have Malik Jackson and Marcel Darius lining up against John Halapio and um, uh, Patrick Omame. Um, a guy that the Jaguars let go. He was the Jaguars' worst lineman last year. Uh, so the Jaguars know him well. That's you know that's not not promising uh, for the pass protection. Eli is going to have to get the ball out quickly. I think it's going to be a lot of quick slants to Odell, a lot of dump offs to Saquon Barkley. Uh, on the other side, we should see a monster workload from Leonard Fournette here. Uh, this should be a close game. Jaguars are favored. Um, Last year, we saw Leonard Fournette begin the season red hot, 122 yards per game and seven touchdowns in the first six. Then he started having the the ankle problems. He shed 17 pounds, and uh, he's down to 223. And uh, hopefully that takes some stress off of his ankles. Uh, I think that he can have a monster game. Last year's Giants allowed the 12th most fantasy points to running backs. They went out and acquired Alec Ogletree to be the centerpiece of their defense. Uh, Pro Football Focus graded 52 inside linebackers in run defense last year. Alec Ogletree, 52nd among them. Um, So I think that Leonard Fournette can go off in this game. Blake Bortles is an underrated two-quarterback league play. Uh, The Giants' secondary is is, it's bad. They, They have Janoris Jenkins and Landon Collins and then a bunch of guys that you could pick on. Curtis Riley, the new starting free safety, a fourth-year undrafted free agent. He's played 161 career snaps. Slot corner B.W. Webb has played for seven NFL teams. Um, And Eli Apple has been just brutal uh, since entering the league. 
so I, I do like Blake Bortles as a number two quarterback, uh, number two quarterback play this week. Um, Blake Bortles uh, last year, uh, the, the the Giants' new defensive coordinator James Bechter, uh, his defense has always been plays a lot of man. His defense has always been susceptible to uh, quarterback rushing, and um, you know, we would always see that with. Uh, with Russell Wilson in the NFC West, Blake Bortles has finished seventh, fourth, and sixth at the position in uh, rushing yards over the past three years. The Jags used a four-receiver rotation very often last season. I think that we will see them do that again with Dante Moncrief, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, and D.J. Shark. That's going to hurt the consistency uh, and the reliability of the Jaguars receivers. I like the matchup best here for D.D. Westbrook, who played 70% of his preseason snaps in the slot. He's going to be squaring off with B.W. Webb. Again, you know, a dude who's on his seventh NFL team. Um, I think the D.D. Westbrook has the best big play potential. And then on the outside, Keelan Cole and Dante Moncrief are going to have to deal more with Janoris Jenkins, who did have a really good training camp, uh, apparently back to his in-prime form. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins... Uh, he is going to be the guy in the red zone. I don't think he's going to be a high-volume target by any means. Uh, he averaged seven yards per catch last year. Um, but he could catch a touchdown, and the Giants did allow the most uh, touchdowns in the league to tight ends last season. Somewhat notable. Uh, not an exciting play, but uh, you know, a guy worth talking about. We can move on to the next one. That was the last one. The next one is me just making sure that everybody knows another awesome place where they can go ahead and get more information about fantasy football, profootballfocus.com. Use the promo code POD20 to save 20%. If you're a high-stakes guy, join PFF Elite for full access to the new premium stats database and green line game picks, PFF Elite. Gives you all the performance data you need to make winning picks all season long. Join PFF Fantasy today and prepare to win. Sign up at ProFootballFocus.com and use promo code POD20 to save 20% on all subscription plans. All of them. And also make sure that you are subscribed to this bad boy so that you hear part two. The late games. The Sunday nighter. And both Monday night contests coming up on the part two, which we will post after midnight Thursday morning. That was a beast feast. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.